What's up, everyone? It's Brian Horning with Exact IT Solutions. I have with me today Andre from Arc Solvers. Good afternoon, sir. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, so, what's new? How's how's life? Ah, uh, this has been a tough week for me. What's up? We had a lot of uh, situations happen uh, with some of our clients and Windows updates, and we just got really we got overwhelmed with 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 work this week. And we weren't we weren't really planning on talking about this, but you brought up a great point: Windows updates. Um, what what happened to you guys this week? Let's talk. Let's start there. Yeah. So you know, best practices is never to have the updates happen right away because a lot of times what will happen is Microsoft will release an update and then a few days later, for whatever reason, they didn't test it or not test it in the right environment. And then now, you know, customers' computers start blue screening, rebooting, not turning on, whatever the case is like that. So we had, there was a particular update um, that, that Microsoft had that was causing uh, printers to not print, causing computers to blue screen and not boot. And Microsoft provided an update for that. So we wanted to be kind of proactive and say, okay, let's go ahead and get started because it was starting to become a major issue. And we, we, we um, in the process of basically pushing the new update, the new update also had issues causing our clients' computers to crash. So here we got maybe about 20, 25, you know, laptops that are essentially taking forever to turn on, uh, not booting up um, properly. And, you know, we, we got backup plans and things like that, but nevertheless, um, it was just a very uh, man intensive task. Mm -hmm. And then most people don't know this, so we might as well talk about it. <clears throat> what happened the week before? Or two weeks ago? No, the month before. That's the month before. It was the last, it was March's series of patches. And then this was April's patches every month. It's known as Patch Tuesday in the in the tech world. Microsoft pushes out all their updates for Windows 10 um, on the second Tuesday of every month. It's known as Patch Tuesday. That happens every single month like clockwork. And last Patch Tuesday and this Patch Tuesday from an IT community standpoint has been a disaster, right? And what happened last month? Well, last month was the, what, March was the Kyocera printers, right? Well, it was more than just, it was a lot more than just Kyocera. It was, what else did, yeah, what else did you have? They broke printing for a lot of people. I mean, not everybody was affected, but it seemed like a lot of Lexmark, HP, Kyocera printers stopped working because an update came out and, and they could no longer print. And then this update in April was supposed to fix the March update and it caused more problems. So like as IT professionals, you want to get out there and you want to get these updates out as soon as possible, especially when you know a couple of things. It fixes the printing issue and it also took care of a bunch of zero days, which if you don't know what a zero day is, it means that there's an actively uh, hackers are actively exploiting a known vulnerability and Microsoft is putting out a patch to, to fix those. Um, and those two things happened in this month. Like, And that's why you saw IT professionals 
kind of running out the gate to try to get these updates out so they could fix their users' printing issues. And now, you know, they do that and then they have these blue screen of death issues and these crashing issues. Um, where are we at with it? Is it fixed yet? Do you have any idea? So supposedly the version 20 is supposed to fix everything, but it, in order to get to from 19 to 20, you have to obviously push the update. And then that was causing some issues. So things are starting to calm down on our side. So, uh, but it was tough because I mean, I, I do mostly, you know, sales, the, the, the business development part of the company. And for the first time in about a year, I had to put on my, my technician hat because I needed my, 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 my text to essentially handle that issue. But then we still had the everyday, you know, tickets come in, everyday problems come in. So first time in a year, you know, yours truly was uh, troubleshooting. So it was, it was really, um, really challenging, but, but we're getting through it. I bet. And I'll, and I'll say thank you to you because you messaged me early in the morning uh, before we pushed out the patch, because we do go through a testing phase here. And um, you, you kind of gave us a heads up on this. So we were able to actually prevent the patch from being deployed to all of our clients. So we didn't have to deal with any of that stuff. And that's, you know, that's important, right? Because I always sit here and say that cybersecurity is a team sport. And this is how we work together as, you know, separate companies, you know, we could consider ourselves competitors, but we don't, um, you know, we're really not in the same market. And, you know, I always look at it. There's enough business. I don't even look at competitors in the Philly market as my competitor because we probably do things differently enough where we're not competitors. And quite frankly, the pie is big enough for, for everybody. Right. So we can't look at each other as competitors in this industry. We have to look at each other as colleagues and teammates and that we're all in this together. We're fighting a common enemy, which is cyber criminals. And that's what we're doing every day. And you and I and the group that we've put together with our mastermind group and, and the group and the friends that we have, you know, through uh, the uh, program that we're in, it's, you know, it's, it's re really important that you build these relationships because you can't go about this alone. Um, and you know that I went out to social media and I started telling people, hey, this, this is a thing. You might want to pull this from your patching schedule. Uh, and that, interestingly enough, took its, a, a life of its own, that particular post uh, in the group that I posted it in. Yeah. So um, any comments about that? <laughs> Well, well, somebody actually just put a comment that they said uh, the common enemy should be Microsoft. <laughs> no, no, the common yeah. enemy should be cyber criminals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just a joke. Yeah, yeah. Tool, but, but the tool, the tool. I mean, you know, you can't blame the tool, right? It, you know, it, we can blame Microsoft all we want, and I and I've said it on my own YouTube channel. I completely think that all of this stuff is. All because of the solar winds. It, it all leads back to solar winds, why they're pushing out so many updates, why other Microsoft products are being hacked right after. Um, it's all it's all, all related. So so cool. So yeah, it was it was definitely a tough week for a lot of IT folks out there. You were in if you're in IT um, and you are listening to this, drop a comment over in our Facebook page or our YouTube channel. Um, and let us know like what you went through. 
Uh, one of the core things too, Andre, I didn't realize this podcast is on Audible. Did you know that? No, I didn't. No. Yeah, I I was on Audible the other day looking for cybersecurity books, and I typed in cybersecurity, and our podcast popped up. I was like, oh, nice. Like, look at that. So yeah, we so you can pick us up on Audible now. So that's very cool. Uh, and we thank everyone who is listening. Uh, to our podcast, we are getting a quite a number of consistent downloads every single week. Uh, and as as we promised, we'll continue to deliver this stuff as long as we get that feedback and we get that that you know those shares that we're asking for. Andre and I take time out of our day to put this together for everybody. We're not paid for it, so all that we ask is that you share, like, comment, and you know let everyone know. And then if you're on what is it, Apple <clears throat> Apple or iTunes, if you're downloading us from there, make sure you give us five-star reviews. It helps Apple uh, put that out there. Head over to our um, YouTube channel and, and hit the like button on our videos. It, it'll help us get the word out that we exist. Um, if you're friends with me on Facebook or on uh, uh, LinkedIn, I share this there, and I'm sure you do too, Andre. So anything you can do to help us out, and grow our podcast would be much appreciated. Uh, everybody's uh, really helping us out, out now, and we don't advertise this podcast, and we, we're not going to dump any advertising money into it, so we're going to grow this thing organically, and uh, we thank everyone who's helping us in the early stages, because this is what, episode 18 we got to now? Yep, 18, yep. Wow, 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 we're almost, we're almost 20. We're almost 20 months, mm -hmm. almost can drink. <laughs> Maybe for episode 21, we'll do shots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So I want to get into some content for today, educate some people on what the heck is going on out there. Uh, first thing I think I'm going to bring up here is the um, Apple. Apple's in a little bit of trouble, right? Yeah. So, so start us off while I'm playing with the buttons down here, trying to share my screen and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the reports are in that Apple is now being targeted on a $50 million ransomware attack. Um, and the attacker, um, specifically, they go by the name of Revel. Um, they were able to um, get access to a third-party company that Apple uses and get all the um, schematics of current and future products from from this vendor. So this is like a huge deal because Apple is always one of those companies that they they have products, you know, down the line, two, three years down the line, and they always keep it close to their chest. They always want to have their big uh, Apple days where the CEO goes and does all of the, um, you know, the different um, technology reviews about their products and stuff like that. And now um, you have, um, if they don't pay up a lot of this information, and really, it's not even going to, if you think about it too, this information is now going to go to their competitors and just even those third com third party companies that just knock out, knock off their products. You know, when, when there's an AirPod, a couple of months later, you then start to see the, you know, little cheap AirPods on, on eBay and things like that. So this is a, a, a big thing for Apple. Yeah. And then, so, so. We've talked about supply chain attacks on our podcast before, right? And supply chain attacks are becoming more and more prevalent, right? So this is a supply chain attack. This wasn't Apple who got hit 
and it wasn't Apple who got ransomware. And if you read the headline, it kind of looks like Apple got ransomware, right? Right. And so it was actually the, the Quanta, who's the supplier of the company who designs like the case that all the computer components go into. Is that that's what they do, right? Right, correct. Yeah. So um, now a couple of things here. We talk about supply chain attacks. Let's just jump into real quickly. How how can a company, what should a company do to start figuring out if they're going to get hacked through one of their vendors? What's some things that like, you know, I don't have a huge company, you know, I'm a I'm an accountant. I don't, you know, I have like seven employees, you know, I might make a million, million and a half, don't have a ton of money to spend on auditing my clients or auditing my my partners and my vendors. What are some things that I can do to make sure that somebody I'm doing business with, maybe I work with a bookkeeping firm who handles bookkeeping, or I work with a payroll firm that handles payroll, and they have access to my system, which means they have access to my client system because I'm an accountant. What can I do as an accountant to protect myself? It's funny you just said that because I was speaking with my accountant. She's based in Oklahoma, great lady. And after... As she was talking, I realized that she actually outsources some of her work to a third-party company. Oh, and and in my mind, I didn't want to like I wanted her to finish her presentation and things that we were going to be talking about for that moment. But I'm like, wait, I gotta go back to her and and vet this because I mean, is this you know I understand there's some minimal tasks and bookkeeping that I'm not expecting her to do. But who are these people? What country are they in? Like, do they have access to my QuickBooks? How are you sending this information? Like, so when you, when you have my books, are you emailing it to them? Are they remoting into your system? So it's kind of like, okay, they have my information and I need to know who are these people? Again, what are they doing with it? How are they accessing it? Do you have a plan in place that if you ever let these people go, they're not, they don't just have my data. So there's a lot of, of, of questions I'm going to be asking her. Yeah, we we've begun recommending to our clients that they create a vendor or partner questionnaire form just to kind of get an idea of like where this company is at with their cybersecurity practices. Um, and every company out there should understand especially any vendor or partner that you have accessing your system or data or that you're sharing data with, whether you're allowing them into your network or you're just sending the files to them through a, through a cloud or third-party file sharing service or what have you. You need to know how they're handling that data when they have it in their possession or how are they securing their network so when they go into your network, a, ha a hacker can't get into your network now. That can be done easily with a questionnaire. And if you've ever bought cyber insurance, you've gotten a questionnaire like this from your cyber, your 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 company. So just take that questionnaire, massage some of the questions so it fits what you need to know. Um, but maybe let's let's kind of what what are some questions you would ask a vendor or a partner? to figure out whether or not they're even thinking about cybersecurity. Um, the, the, especially going back to that accounting example is how are you handling my files? Because when I, and when I actually started with her, I was sending emails to her. I was sending, 
well, she wanted me to send my financial information, my tax information, a copy of my driver license, all of that just through email, through her Gmail. And I was like, uh, no, I need a secure link or I'll give you my secure link. I'll drop it in there. I'll send you a password in a, in a separate text or whatever. And this is how, you know, this is how I'm going to be giving you my information. So I think that's, I mean, data is what the hackers want. I mean, they want passwords too, but data is what the hackers want. So how are you transmitting my data and where is that going and how are you maintaining that? Who are you sharing it with? And what do you do with it when you're finished? I don't think a lot of people would be able to answer that question. Um, you know, it's they're very good questions to ask, in my opinion. And I think getting to the bottom of those answers might be something. See, I fear the person who just guesses and tells you the answer you're supposed to think or they, they give you the answer they think they're supposed to give versus what they're actually doing. And I've come across that a million times in this business where I evaluate somebody's uh, cyber insurance application and they filled it out themselves and they thought that they were doing something. And I'm like, oh, well, you're really not doing that. So you shouldn't answer that question that way. Um, but one of the things that I would tell people that they need to make sure that they're asking their partners for, I think three things come to mind for me. Um, how do you store passwords? How do you store and share passwords? Do you use two-factor authentication? And do you provide security awareness training to your employees? I think those three questions will give you a pretty good idea of where somebody's at and whether yeah. they're, they're secure enough to be working with you. Because um, you want to know how they're sharing sensitive information like passwords. How are they? How are multiple employees at your company logging into my system? Right? Are you using one username or password? How are you sharing that with with, with people? Um, I mean, ultimately, you want to give everybody their own username or password. In a lot of cases, that's that's not feasible, right? So, um, you know, just managing that and knowing how your vendors are handling things, um, you don't want them to be the weak link in your cybersecurity chain, right? They should be as strong, if not stronger than what you're currently doing. Um, and if you're a business and you know that you're working with a, a partner or a vendor who might not have great cybersecurity practices, then you're probably opening the door to more risk in your business than maybe you're comfortable with. So, um, that's important from, from the supply chain standpoint. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about in this, in this article is, is these guys. <laughs> um, so these guys are kind of like everywhere. <laughs> yeah. They got Apple. Now they got, or they got uh, Acer, what, last month or mm -hmm. not even a month ago. And now they got a major Apple partner. So Quanta refused to pay the $50 million ransom. And now the group is hoping to get Apple itself to pay yeah. first. Continuing, promising to continue to post new images from the leak daily until it does. I mean, what do you, what do you think here? Like, like, I, I kind of feel like 
start like my initial when I read this, I go, is this, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on this, but like the, it, to me, this feels like they're gra grasping for straws and they're mm -hmm. like almost desperate at this point. And I mean, sure. What's that? No, I'm, I'm sure they, they probably spent a lot, lot of time to get in, and they, but they know the companies have the money. And they know that the companies, or at least Apple, doesn't want this to, um, it wants this to kind of go away. They, they don't want their proprietary designs and things like that out in the open market. And I'm sure they also know that Quanta is possibly going to lose, you know, maybe when the contract is up for renewal, Apple may be thinking, you know what, maybe we just do this in-house or we choose another company or whatever the case is. So I think they're taking the desperation of, um, of these companies and um and but the spotlight are are is on apple and is on quanta because everybody's saying you shouldn't be paying the ransom you should never pay the ransom until it happens to yourself and now you're in the position of like okay what am i going to do of um of got it so i don't want to go out on a limb here but i'm going to go out on a limb here i mean I don't know. This just seems very desperate to me. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's behind this. I'm, I'm going to keep my mouth shut right now. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens here in the next couple of weeks. What, do you, what are you thinking? Let's just say in my, in my, in my research, I ransomware attacks are down right now. So I don't know if that trend's going to continue. And I don't know what the reason is behind that. And history has told me that when these guys go away, they're just retooling. A couple of things I do know, our federal government seized Bitcoin wallets that were used in a lot of the ransomware payments. So they lost those addresses. So now they, to me, they have to go back into the ransomware and program in new Bitcoin addresses and then redeploy. So essentially, all the ransomware that was out there, those Bitcoin addresses are no longer valid. So they can't deploy that ransomware anymore because they're going to pay the United States federal government, mm -hmm. not, not the hackers. So I kind of feel like that's where things are at right now, but I, do, I don't know. Um, but that's just looking at the data and, and, my, and looking at the news reports coinciding with the seizure of these Bitcoin addresses, it only makes sense that ransomware would kind of drop off a little bit. But believe me, they've already replaced those addresses. Now they just have to get, you know, the new ransomware out there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Revel, I just want to kind of, um, you know, bring up the Acer one, but they were the ones that 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 were hit by, that, that hit Acer, and now they hit another computer supplier um, it seems like they turn their sights on tech companies and, and they're really going after tech companies. Um, you know, and I got to imagine that these guys being a Russian hacking group were probably involved in the solar wind some way, shape or form. Yeah. So I don't know. I have no, no evidence to back that up, but, um, as this article goes on to point out, Revel has a history of similar ransomware attacks with the group carrying out hacks on Acer. Um, 
I don't think you want to be screwing around with Apple. That's my opinion. What do you think? Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I mean, but what can Apple do? Like, Apple can't really, there's no payback Apple can really do. What do you mean? Like, how can Apple retaliate? Oh, I, oh just like Microsoft has. Seizing domains, seizing traffic, killing traffic on on because they because they can do it. They have they have the ability. You know what I mean? Just like Microsoft, they control they control distribution of apps through their apps. You know, what I mean? like they have too much control. Plus, I don't know. I personally think that Mike that uh, Mark Zuckerberg tried to go at Apple and he saw real quick what happened when you fuck with Apple. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? They yeah. they they pretty much put it put the knife to his jugular and said, we'll just remove your ability to track our iPhone users and you won't be able to pixel them and you won't be able to chase them around the internet through an iPhone. Right. And you know that you you know how upset he got. Yeah. Right? And you haven't heard much about it since. Right. It sounds to me like Facebook's trying to learn how to play within Apple's rules now and and they didn't get their way, which their way would have been just leave things the way they are. Yeah. And yeah. that's not happening. So when you have a company with the market cap like this, you know, there's going to be a point, like, I kind of look at it like bullies, right? There's going to be a point where you just punch the wrong kid in, in the face and the bully loses. Mm -hmm. Plus the clout that they have in China, the clout they have against the U.S. government, you know, with the U.S. government. So, yeah, that is true. Yeah. So, like, you know, eventually you're going to poke the wrong bear and, mm -hmm. and it's going to come back to bite you. So, um you know, unfortunately, these guys, it was announced this week that Russia was giving these guys kind of like immunity within Russia, um, which is, you know, not cool. Um, but yeah, it's probably because they helped out with SolarWinds. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, anything else you want to add to this before we move on to our next topic? No, no, we got everything covered there. So good luck, Apple. Um, thankfully, they're not the ones being ransomed. So like you said, what do they have to lose? I mean... This is probably press to me. If this is coming out in, in a few short weeks anyway, so what? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And how many times have movies been leaked before they premiered? Right. And I always believe that that was a marketing ploy. You know, get the movie out there, hype it up, get people to hype it up, you know, you know, in, in the underground or, you know, in, in, in the chats and in the forums and all that stuff. And, you know, it's free advertising. Yeah. So Forbes Council posts, these are these are membership fee-based posts. Um, there's a nice post here that we found. And uh, it was it was posted by a guy who I'm not even going to try to touch that name. Um, but I talk about this all the time. And I've been saying for years that cybersecurity needs to be a C-suite conversation, not a tech room conversation. And then it says, take a seat at the table and translate cyber risk into business risk. And that's what we try to do on this podcast, right? 
translate what the hell this technical and cyber stuff means to what what does this mean to you as a business owner and to you in your business so i got this quote up on the screen you brought it to my attention so why don't you read it and then we'll start talking about this whole paragraph the best way to get management excited about a disaster plan is to burn down the building across the street Dan Irwin, security officer at Dow Chemical. Probably gets paid a lot of money. It sounds like an important position. Um, I agree with him, but I also kind of, I would take it a step further. I'd say burn down your own damn building. Right? Burn, yeah. burn down your own damn building and, and let them see what an actual poorly put together disaster plan looks like. and what Or give them a taste of reality, right? Mm-hmm. But the best thing you can do is learn from others, right? So, you know, and that's what I try to do on on this podcast, on, on my YouTube channel, is like, look at all these attacks. I try to break them down in a way where people start to understand them and start to understand, like, how this can happen to them, or if this happens to them, this is what it means. And, you know, if you're if you're smart enough to be a business owner, to put yourself in another company's shoes and try to go through what they're going through, you're gonna be a lot better and a lot smarter if this ever happens to you. But you gotta start putting a plan in place and you gotta start putting those things in place and and testing your plan and making adjustments um, just like any other plan you would do in your business. So goes on to say, fortunately or unfortunately, in recent years, management has seen the number and magnitude of burnt buildings and has become to understand that cybersecurity is not the IT issue and cost pit it was once considered to be, but a business issue that seeks to save companies money. In fact, cybersecurity is arguably as necessary to running a business as keeping the lights on, keeping employees productive and trained, and keeping the company legally protected. Agree, disagree? What are your thoughts there? No, totally, uh, totally agree. It's, it's kind of like, you know, when if there's like a string of burglaries happening in your neighborhood, your na- both neighbors be, uh, between you got, got robbed. And now you see like the ADT or the Brink side, the sign in front of the grass. The next thing you're going to do is call ADT, the alarms or whatever alarm system company and say, hey, I want an alarm too. So it's kind of that same analogy. It's like once you start to see like someone really close to you or business close to you and what they went through, it's a matter of like, okay, I got to do it too. So I just wanted to, to give that analogy. And, and it's the same thing we, we've been saying 18 episodes. It's, we, cybersecurity is no longer a, a conversation, like a line item of, you know, let's just see if there's enough money in the budget, whatever's left over. No, it's, it's top of the line. It's like, it's as important as, you know, payroll and, and rent expenses. Like it's up there. And I think that's what, for me, at least in my market, that's, I've been spending a lot of time educating our clients because when they see our prices and say, well, you were charging me this price and now you're up 30, 40%. What's the difference? Like, you know, like how can I justify that to my board? And it's what I tell them, it's, this is no longer, you know, managing your IT. This is a, a, this is a risk conversation. Now we're helping you with your risk of, of, of the cyber attacks. So they say that uh, cybersecurity is not the IT issue and cost pit it was what once considered to be, but a business issue that seeks to save companies money. 
if I'm a business owner and my mindset or, and I, and I haven't changed my, my thinking or, and I still think cybersecurity is fake. I don't need it. I don't think it really is something that's achievable um, or, and, and it's costly and I don't need to, you know, look, I need to grow my company. I need to spend, you know, 30,000 on marketing, not cybersecurity. Um, help a business owner understand how it saves companies money as this article points out. Yeah. So let's just say you have 10 computers, 20 computers, whatever the case is, and it's going to cost you $2,000 to, to secure your systems, $2,000. So that's about um, $24,000 a year. How do you compare that where if your business stops working and for two weeks, because I believe that's about the average time to be able to recover from a, a, a cyber attack. And for two weeks, you're not able to, to run your business. Your employees are sitting there like this because they can't do anything because the systems are shut down. Even if it was one week, how much money will you lose in your business? What, what is your reputation to your clients? Because now you're now having to notify your clients that, yeah, you gave us your credit card information or you gave us your, your, personal, um, you know, your personal identifiable information and now it's out in the dark web for sale. Who's gonna wanna do business? Who's gonna wanna come back and do business with you? Or, or in the example we had with Apple um, and their third party, like when the contract negotiations come back and now they're trying to do business with Apple again and Apple have to go through all of this with Revel to, you know, to make sure their data doesn't go out, that's gonna be there. I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Apple is gonna be considering using somebody else next time, right? Wow. So, so like all of that. So going back, it's like you spend that money now and there and and with hopes that later on this doesn't happen. I mean it's it's like a it's a no-brainer. Yep. And uh I guess to add to that, it's I agree with all of that. It's a hundred percent. But the other thing that you need to look at is <clears throat> cybersecurity is not technology. It is, but it's it's not just technology. Cybersecurity is a is a way or a framework for how you're going to protect and recover, right? So if you just follow the NIST framework, right? So you know, identifying, detecting, protecting, and recovery, right? Those those are basically your four elements. When you're talking about recovering, right? Yes, you're going to have to spend money to get to the point where you can efficiently recover. But if you do this wrong, your cost for recovery is going to be astronomically higher than if you did this right. And that's that's the big difference. It's like, how much do you want to pay when an event happens? Do you want to pay? If I told you, hey, if you ever get hacked, I can put in something where you're only going to have to pay $20,000 or you can do nothing and you can pay over $100,000 when something happens. What would you pick as a business owner? You, you would probably pick the option where you would have to pay the least amount of money if something happened. Yep. 
and that's that's how I look at it from in, in addition to what you said. It's like you can do this right and you can get through this quicker, faster, less damage, less downtime, less money paid out, or you can do this the wrong way and go through a lot of stress, a lot of money, a lot of man hours, a lot of unknowns. You'll be lucky to even get back up and running, quite frankly, in my opinion. But there's two ends of this. There's a really, really expensive end, and there's the not so expensive end. You know, and it's kind of cheesy to say it, but a pound, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You know, an ounce of prevention in cybersecurity is worth a ton of cure from what I've seen. It's not a pound. It's a ton. So, you know, um, and I've always said this, you know, I always look at the, the C-suite has traditionally been seen as, you know, sales and marketing or, or, or business development, operations, HR, right? Those are kind of the three main pillars like every company has. And I've always said IT needs to be the fourth. Yeah. Companies that don't have IT as the fourth pillar inside their C-suite are doing it wrong. And I think Capital One learned that. And, and if you don't know what happened with the Capital One breach, go learn what happened with the Capital One breach and look at all the executives that got canned after that event because they didn't take it seriously enough. And the government came in because they're a regulated bank and did their own assessment of their cybersecurity practices. And they said that they were woefully poor. And when that report came out, pretty much everybody involved at management level at Capital One was canned. So, you know, that's that's the other side of it. You know, if you don't, if you didn't start the company, if you're not the founder, if you're not the owner, and you're just an employee who works in an executive position, your livelihood and your job depends on whether or not you can survive a cyber attack. And that's the reality of where we're at today. Do you agree, disagree on that comment there? Drop the mic, man. Drop the mic. 38 minutes in, giving everybody seven minutes of their time back, right? Um, yeah, just quickly going through this. As cyber budgets and risks increase, organizations need to start asking themselves. I love, I love articles where they ask themselves um, assets they want to protect. I'm doing, I'm doing a YouTube series right now on my channel where I talk about this. I talk about how you identify the assets you want to protect and how you use layers of protection to protect the assets. And let I, me let me ask you a question there though, Brian. Because mm -hmm. I was just thinking about it with this Apple breach. Yeah. Now these schematics were, you know, they can be exported into like a JPEG. And I know we're going to speculate here and I, we, our channel's not here to speculate or play Monday morning quarterback. But the fact that Revel were able to get this information unencrypted like you would think Apple would say anything you're dealing with our data needs to be encrypted. So that way, if someone got it, they wouldn't be able to necessarily, you know, open it from their side outside of the environment of, 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 of the, of the, of the, um, the, the place. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. I mean, I don't want to get technical, but what kind of encryption were they using? They could have said they were using encryption and it was just disk encryption, right? Yeah. That disk goes live, it's unencrypted. Mm -hmm. They could have pulled up the, you know, the information on a trusted device, took a screenshot, and now they have it. 
You know what I mean? So there's a million different ways. Doesn't sound like they had two factor on. <laughs> that probably would have helped a little bit more than encryption. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're on a trusted device, encryption doesn't do anything for you. If I can, if your computer has encryption software on it, but your 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 device is a trusted device and it has the software to kind of if you're doing like um, uh, in transit encryption and and your machine can decrypt that data that's on your network somewhere and I have access to your computer, it's, it's, it's going to be unencrypted for me, right? So when I move it off the network, it should be encrypted. Um, but what if I don't need to be off, on the, off the network? Or you know, what if I can get to a point where um, I can uh, unencrypt it and then move it some way somehow off the network or turn off the encryption? You know what I mean? Like you don't yeah. know. Right. There could have been a lot of things going on here that they were able to circumvent. Um, but that's why there are layers, right? Because one layer can, can be breached. And the idea here is, is that you have multiple layers that are protecting this um, and, and either stopping or, or mitigating how much damage they can do. Um, you know, do they do they want to protect assets from internet attackers, on-site attackers, rover compromised employees, third-party vendors, um, and how likely is it that those assets will be compromised, right? Uh, and then, like, how do you protect them too? Like, not who do you want to protect them from, but how do you protect it? Right? Encryption, two-factor. Um, you know, do you air gap it? You know, how how do you protect it? You know, for me, if Apple is my client. And they're my biggest client. I'm air gapping everything I do with Apple. And you're 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 triple checking who is accessing the data. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it'd be interesting to find out if they ever come out and say like, what happened here? You know, what's what's the uh, you know what's the actual? How did they get targeted? I mean, sure we'll find out. We usually do probably two or three months from now. Um, we'll find out how Quanta got hacked, what, where the vulnerability was, probably somebody clicked on an email. It's usually how it goes down. <laughs> so. Yeah. And the, yeah, especially the public companies where they have to, you know, report to the shareholders, they, they have to put something in, in their reports about um, maybe not detail step by step, but they have to, you know, give out some type of information. Yep. So yeah. All right, brother. So uh, I'm going to wrap up the podcast for today i think we're i think we're uh i think we covered a lot we did we did a lot of good information so if you're listening to us you know on your on your walk or in your car ride or while you're working out that's when i usually listen to podcasts um we really appreciate it we thank you please remember to share us out let people know that we exist saw a bunch of people popping in and out of our, our live stream on facebook and youtube so uh, we do usually record these like Thursday afternoon, right? So if you ever want to catch us live and watch us on video, uh, you can head over to Facebook or YouTube, type in Security Squawk. Uh, and our podcasts are usually, we have to do a little bit of editing and put them through some things. We usually get those up uh, early next week. Uh, they'll be, you'll start to see those populate in the, uh, in the various platforms like Audible that we're now on. Um, 
it does take them a couple of days. So we like if I post it on Friday, it takes two or three days for it to get picked up by iTunes and Audible and Google Podcasts. It doesn't happen instantaneously. So that's why you might not see our actual podcast hit, you know, two or three days after we do a live recording. So, um, but yeah, we appreciate everybody. Any last parting words for our audience before we hit end broadcast? Nope, we're good. All right. So we'll, we'll talk to everybody next week. Hit us up in the comment section on uh, YouTube or Facebook. And we look forward to bringing you uh, more updates uh, next week uh, when we record episode 19, right? Yep, 19. Episode 19. So take care, everyone. We'll see you soon.